Peter chapter 1, and as you're turning there, I'm going to dismiss our kids to kids' crew. So they're going to join our leaders and make their way upstairs. While they're doing that, and while you're turning to 1 Peter chapter 1, let me give you one more thing to, to do or to focus on. I want you to think this morning about Christmas presents. I want you to think about, in fact, I want you to think about Maybe the, the best Christmas gift you've ever gotten. Maybe it's your favorite Christmas gift. Maybe it, is, maybe it was uh, something that caught you by surprise. Maybe it's just a favorite memory from Christmas and a present that you received. And while you're doing that, I'm going to get ready to show you one of my favorite, very favorite uh, Christmas, really my favorite Christmas present that I've ever gotten. Um, and so... I'm not going to melt your faces with a, with a crazy guitar solo this morning. But I, you know, this, let me show it off a little bit. This is my favorite Christmas present. This is something that, this is something that Rayleigh got me one year for Christmas. And so, uh, little, little, uh, surprise for me. And so here's the story behind this, okay? Let me, let me while I'm up here making uh, some noise, some bits and pieces, to tell you a little bit about the story. So this is, go back to 1998. It's the fall of 1998. And Rayleigh and I have been dating for a couple of years at this point. We are, uh, I think, juniors in college. And along the way through school, um, we were both working and using scholarships and other things to, to each kind of work our way through school. But Rayleigh particularly was, was working a lot to pay her way through school. And so she was determined that she was not going to take out student loans to pay her way through school. And that's kind of the backdrop for the story behind this instrument. So what, what happened is that year in the fall... Uh, I decided, I had been playing guitar for a while, and I decided, okay, I want to learn how to play the electric guitar. I had been playing the acoustic guitar up to that point. I want to learn how to play the electric guitar. So one day, I decide I'm going to go to a guitar shop, and Rayleigh went along with me, and so we're looking through the guitars in this guitar shop, and I'm, I'm looking particularly at the electric guitars, and I kind of eye one that I like, and I say something about liking it, and she's just acting weird the whole time. She's just acting weird. Something is up. She's kind of she, she was kind of impatient and fidgety about it, and, uh, and I could tell, right? And so I, I press in a little bit more because what I was thinking was happening, this is what I was thinking was happening, was just that she was thinking, well, you don't need to spend that much money on a guitar. That's what I was thinking was the backdrop to all of this. And so I'm looking at the guitars, and I find one I like and see the price tag. And I think I can do that. I think I can. And she's like, no, you can't do that. And, and I was like, well, what do you mean I can't do that? You know, we're dating at this point. We're not married. And so, again, I'm going to be, I'm ornery, and I'm kind of leaning into that like, uh, it's my money. You can't tell me what I can do with my money, right? Man, does that ever change when you get married later on, right? <laughs> but so I'm, so I'm really more than anything else just to kind of prod. I'm, I, I, I don't think I really would have gone home with a guitar that day, but I just kind of lean into it. Yeah, I think I will. I think, I think this is the one I want. And so the guy who runs the guitar shop comes over and I, and I ask about this particular guitar and I'm wanting to know a little bit more about it. And, and, and I, I'm talking like I'm going to buy it. And finally she says, look, here's the thing. You can't 
buy that because I'm getting you an electric guitar for Christmas. And I was like, it's, it's up. Well, I found out that day, this is like September-ish, October-ish, that I had been talking about this for a little bit. And so she had gotten with a good friend of mine, by the way, this is the guitar, right? This, here it is, I'm, I'm showing it off to you. This is the guitar. So she had gotten with a, a good friend of mine who played the guitar and she had said, hey, what would be a great guitar for Michael? I wanna do this as a surprise for him for Christmas. And she went to a guitar shop. It was expensive and, and she didn't have that much money laying around. We were just broke college kids, but she put it on layaway and she started paying on it. And so for about, I don't know, five or six months, she paid that guitar off in the midst of paying her tuition bill and, and, and just supporting herself and all those other things on top of all that to give me something special that I wanted. And so because of that, this is one of my prized possessions in all of the world. It's one of those things like if the house caught fire, I'm running in to grab that kind of thing, right? One of those, one of those prized possessions that you have. I tell that part of the story uh, and and I, I guess I go to that in my head because this is also a true story. A few years ago, my neighbor's house caught fire uh, and I was the one who saw it randomly on, some, on a Thursday in August. His house catches fire because he had been uh, he had been charcoaling and there were some stuff that got put in a trash can and that trash can was left out next to the house. Well, unbeknownst to them, the stuff in that trash can lit fire to what was in the trash can and then that grew and, and it caught fire to his house. And so in the midst of all of this, my neighbor is running in his house, grabbing his guitars and bringing them out of the house. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time, respect, right? I mean, <laughs> same, yeah, that's what I would do too. And so uh, th- that is a prized position, one of my favorite gifts. I wanna talk this morning about a prized possession that is ours through our faith in Jesus. And something, frankly, that I don't think we fully understand sometimes in the way that we should. And of course, I'm talking about joy. Jesus brings joy. I want us to think of joy this way this morning, that joy is a gift of God. And the passage that we're gonna study in 1 Peter chapter one uses both this word joy and another companion word, the word rejoice. And and I wanna talk a little bit about what rejoice means as well because we hear joy in rejoice. Joy is the gift of God and rejoice is the command that goes along with the gift. Rejoice is telling us to enjoy that gift. When, we, when we're instructed to rejoice, it's saying, find joy in this, take joy in this. Rejoice is the instruction to enjoy the gift that God has given us. It, joy is the product of our salvation through faith in Jesus, and rejoice is the command to participate in that product by living in light of the joy of Jesus. And that's what I want us to see this morning as we understand what it means that Jesus brings joy to our lives. So we're gonna read in 1 Peter chapter one, and I wanna read beginning in verse six and verse, through verse nine. Oftentimes in the New Testament, when you read about joy, joy, the, the idea of joy is often presented in, a, in contrast to, in juxtaposition to the idea of suffering or trials. And so, Very often, joy or the command to rejoice in the New Testament is 
is presented in the midst of a discussion about difficulties or hardship or trials that we face. And it's it, the New Testament writers, what they're, what they're trying to point us to understand is that real joy is not a product of our situation or our circumstance. Real joy comes through a right relationship with Jesus. And that's what we're going to see this morning as we look at what Peter instructs the church to do in light of their circumstances, in light of their situation, as he writes to them. First Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, Peter says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so this passage teaches us about rejoicing in spite of our trials, knowing that we have obtained the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. And that should be the foundation of our joy, not our circumstances, not our present situation, but rather our salvation in Jesus. And so if we're going to understand that, I, I want us to see three important things about joy that we can learn from this passage, okay? And so in, in your worship guide on the backside, you find a place to follow along, and there are three points. And each of these points this morning are related to this deeper, this fuller understanding of what joy really is. If we're going to understand joy, the gift that joy is for us, and if we're going to understand what joy is so that we might rejoice, that we might live in light of that joy, we need to understand these three key truths. The first one is this, joy is not a feeling, it's a function of faith. Joy is not a feeling. So often, when we think of joy, we think of happiness, really. We think of an emotion. We think of the good feeling that we get, the tingles that we get, right? The, the, the happy feelings that, that we get in different moments, in different situations in life. And that's what we associate with joy, are the emotions or the feelings of happiness. But the truth is that joy is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. When the Bible tells us to rejoice, it's not saying rejoice if you feel like it. It's not saying, hey, be happy because there are a lot of things in life, especially in the New Testament. Again, joy and suffering are often paired together. There are a lot of instructions for us to rejoice or to take joy that don't make sense if we think of joy as an emotion, even in this particular passage. We rejoice, he says in verse 6, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Peter admits that there's a necessity to the trials that we face. There is a purpose behind our pain. There is a reason why we go through hardship and difficulty. So that, he goes on to say, that the tested genuineness of your faith, and then if you jump on the other side of this parenthetical insert that he puts in, the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, we are instructed to have joy 
even though we go through hardship and difficulty for a time, because the necessity of that trial, the necessity of that difficulty is that it will test our faith so that our faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hardships, difficulties, problems that we face reveal ultimately where our faith lies. Does our faith lie in our circumstance? Does our faith lie in our ability to control things? Does our faith lie in, in, in our ability to dictate the terms? Or does our faith lie in God, in trusting him, in walking with him, as we would say, walking by faith, walking with him, even when we suffer, even when we face difficulty and hardship. See, there is joy that can be found in the midst of hardship because joy is not an emotion. This is not telling us to feel happy or feel glad all the time. Instead, this is This is an instruction that we would have that deep abiding confidence in the work of God in the midst of trials. That deep abiding confidence that assures us that everything will be okay. That that Jesus ultimately has won the victory. That points us back to our faith. Back to our salvation. That we see that joy is a function of faith. So that as we walk by faith, as we live by faith, as we trust God, then we have joy. Then we experience joy. Joy is something that God gives us. It's a gift that he gives us as a function of our faith. And so... Often, we water it down. We diminish the real substance of joy when we think of it as a feeling. Think about facts versus feelings, right? There are so many things in in life that we, we weigh the facts versus the feelings. How we feel about something versus the, the, the reality of what it is of the truth of, of that moment. And especially as it relates to living by faith, walking by faith, especially as it relates to having joy in the midst of difficulty, we don't want to be a prisoner to our feelings. We want to have a joy that would sustain us in spite of difficulty and hardship. That comes through faith. That comes as a gift of God. It is, it is given to us as a product of our salvation Secondly, we see this truth about joy. Joy is not a mask. It's a mark of maturity. Now, what I mean when I say that joy is not a mask, if we understand that joy is not a feeling, what can happen is we can, we can be in, disingenuous about our joy. We can be fake about the way that we have joy. We can pretend to have joy when in reality we don't have joy and we we use that as sort of a mask. We mask what's really going on. We use that as a front to hide what we're really feeling and, and how we really think and what's really going on because we tell ourselves, well, I know that joy is not supposed to be a feeling and so I'm just gonna gut it out and persevere through this. Now, Hear me when I say this. There are lots of things in our Christian life and in Christian faith and Christian living. There are lots of things that we have to do as a matter of discipline, as a matter of discipline of the will, as an act of surrender and obedience to the Lordship of Christ. We walk through certain things knowing that even if I don't feel like it, I'm going to remain faithful and true. But in the midst of that, 
So much of the time we, we hide from or maybe even lie to ourselves about what's really going on. Joy is not about masking the way that you feel, masking what's going on and telling yourself one thing when really the opposite is true. That's not the command to rejoice. Isn't just grin and bear it, grit your teeth and suffer. No, it's when we really understand what joy is about, even when our hearts are broken, even when we are burdened by our our difficulties, even when, frankly, even when we are mourning and, and, and broken in despair, we can have joy because joy is not the same as happiness. Joy is an abiding peace that comes through faith in Jesus. And so it is totally possible to be, to be brokenhearted and yet have joy. It is totally possible to, to mourn and to shed tears and to lament and yet in the midst of that experience joy in your heart. So it's not a mask that you wear. It's a, it's a mark of spiritual maturity. Think about other marks of spiritual maturity. Think about other, other, other ways that we, that we demonstrate maturity. I would point us to the list of spiritual fruit that's presented in Galatians chapter 5. I think that's maybe the best and, and perhaps even the most, the most recognizable list of marks of Christian maturity. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control that Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 tells us that those will be the, the distinguishing Marks of a person who's walking in faith because it's the product of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. These are marks of maturity in our lives. In, and I don't mean in, in, in terms of our Christian living here. I just mean in, in life in general, right? We, we, measure, we measure maturity with certain marks. There are certain things that we do, certain, certain moments that we arrive at. And, and nowadays, it's often referred to as adulting, right? When you, when, you, when you start adulting, when you start doing certain things. So when you start paying your own bills, when you start being responsible for yourself, when you buy a first house or you, or you pay off your college loans or when you have your first child, when you walk through some of those, those um, oh, I don't know, those, those milestone moments in life of growing up, those marks of maturity, like I'm getting older, I'm taking responsibility. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it, right? I'm doing what, what we're supposed to do when you grow up. We, we measure our lives according to these milestones of maturity. Well, joy is in so many ways a true milestone of maturity in our Christian faith. When we experience the joy, the abiding peace, the abiding presence of God, when we are sustained in spite of our suffering, then we know that we are growing in our faith. It's not always happiness, because that's a very thin view of what joy is. But rather, it, it, I mean, it can be happiness. It's, it's really more of the satisfaction that comes through salvation, knowing that Jesus is my peace, knowing that Jesus is my hope. And so even in spite of my difficulty, I will experience joy. I will live with joy. It's the gift of Jesus. It's tied to my salvation, which really leads us to the third point that we see, this third truth. Joy is not a reaction. It's the reward for righteousness. 
It's the reward for righteousness. And let's be clear about a few things. I've worded this particular point carefully, so let's break it down. First of all, it's not a reaction, meaning that joy is not, it's not dictated by our circumstances. We don't have joy as a reaction to other things that are happening in life. Much like when we're surprised, when you're truly surprised, you, don't, you, you can't mask what you feel in that moment, right? Anytime you're, if you've ever been genuinely surprised by something. A few years ago, for my 40th birthday, Rayleigh planned a surprise party with you guys, with the church on a Sunday night. And I was legitimately floored that night. Like, I mean, I I was completely and utterly surprised, had absolutely no clue that it was happening. Was here in the afternoon on a Sunday and doing different Uh, committee meetings and things and I leave a meeting and I'm getting ready to walk into the sanctuary and I walk in here and no one's here on a Sunday night and I'm thinking to myself this is going to be fun and 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 she's like no you have to come down the hall and I go down the and there's like a crowd of people down in our fellowship hall and and I was legitimately surprised and I don't even remember what my reaction was what the look on my face was that night but it was one of pure shock and, and when you've been surprised by something, whatever happens, that's your natural reaction in the moment, right? Joy is not a reaction. We're not waiting for something else to happen so that we might react and have joy. Joy is something that, that stays with us and sustains us regardless of our circumstance, regardless of what's happening in our lives. Not only that, it's a reward. So what do I mean when I say reward? Well, I mean that it is something that is given to us, something that is bestowed upon us, much, when we think, much like we think of a reward when you, when you receive a reward, when you receive a medal for something, or when you receive a, a ribbon or a prize or a commendation or a certificate. You think of getting a reward for something that you've done. Joy is a reward, but hear me on this. It's not a reward for something you've done. It's the reward for what Jesus did for you that you could never do for yourself. See, when you were trapped in your sins, when you were helplessly lost in your rebellion against God, Jesus died on the cross, though he was perfect, though he did not deserve the cross. As we, as we read in Hebrews chapter 12 earlier, He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And so joy is the reward of Jesus' atoning work on the cross. It's not something you deserve or you earn, but rather it's something Jesus earned on your behalf. And he gives it to you as a gift. And so we experience that reward as a gift from Jesus because of what he did for us. And it's a reward, as I also say here, for righteousness. Again, not our own righteousness. If we were to be rewarded for our righteousness, then we would all get death. And apart from Jesus, that's exactly what happens. Apart from faith in Christ, what we deserve for our sins is death. No matter how good you've been, because the Bible makes it abundantly clear that even if you've only sinned once, even if you've only violated God's perfect law once, then you're guilty of violating the whole sin. And certainly we've all sinned more than once, right? I don't have to convince you of that truth. So it's the reward for righteousness. But again, it's not a righteousness that is yours. It's a righteousness that is yours through faith in Jesus. It's a righteousness that you obtain by trusting in him. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 tells us that for our sake he made him who knew no sin 
to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took the cross for you. He took the punishment that you deserve, that I deserve, so that he might give you the reward of his righteousness. That, of course, is salvation. But the product of that salvation is joy. But it produces a joy in us that comes through walking by faith, through living by faith, through trusting God in spite of all that we endure. Joy is not a reaction. It's a reward for righteousness. It's, it's tied to our salvation, which is exactly what 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 tells us. Though you do not now see him, and we don't, right? We don't see Jesus Though we don't see him, we believe in him and we rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Again, not our glory, but his glory, right? Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The salvation of our souls ultimately is what gives us joy. Because we have salvation in Jesus, because he has won the victory for us on the cross, now we can have joy in any circumstance, in any situation, no matter what may come, because Jesus became for us the righteousness of God. And now we are freely given that righteousness as a gift. And that gift gives us joy. Joy is a gift. And the instruction here to rejoice is the instruction to live in light of what Jesus has done. May we understand joy as a gift. Now, I'm going to be real with you for a moment. I'm going to be just completely uh, transparent in this. It's, this is something that, that is easier to understand than it is to do because our feelings get in the way. Because how we feel and what we're thinking, because our, our flesh gets in the way in any given moment, even in my own life lately, I've been struggling to have joy. And, and the enemy's tried to use that against me. The enemy's tried to, try to, to, to be in my head and say, oh, you don't need to preach this message. You, you don't deserve to preach this message. You can't do that. You've struggled to have joy. I've been, I've been just downright grumpy some lately. I mean, and that sounds kind of maybe a little bit silly when I say that. But I mean, I've been, I've been angry. I've been mad at some things. I've, been, I've not had a good attitude. I've, I, I've been... Well, I've been all the things I shouldn't because I've wanted to control and dictate my circumstances, because I've wanted to be the one who gets to call the shots, because I've wanted to be the one. And, and there have been some moments in my life lately where I've had to go, especially to my kids, and had to say, look, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have raised my voice. I shouldn't have done that. Because the truth is, that's where a lot of it comes out in my life, if I'm being honest, is it's, it's, it's easy to put on the face and, 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 and be the, the mask that I've talked about in point two. It's easy to put on that mask and act the way that I know I'm supposed to in front of other people. But when my guard is down and I'm with my family and the people that I'm closest to, then sometimes the real feelings come out. And, and so when I say to you, have joy, know this, that I'm right there with you. When I talk about having joy and the struggle to have joy, I know what this is about. I'm, this is where I'm living too in my life. And yet I know this to be true. 
That my joy is not determined by my circumstances. My joy is not determined by my feelings. My joy is not to be a product of what I'm going through in any given moment. My joy is to be something deeper because my joy is tied to my Savior and his work on the cross. My joy is the, the gift that Jesus gives me by faith. And I'm instructed to walk in that joy, to live in light of that joy, despite all of my shortcomings and and the ways that I fall short. This morning, as we respond to the Lord by, by rejoicing, by living in light of his joy, I, I want to call on you, I want to challenge you that you would not make your, your joy, you would not let it be bound to your feelings, not let it be tied up in your, your emotions or your circumstance, but rather that you would have a joy that is rooted in the saving work of Jesus on the cross. And even when you don't feel like it, you would choose to rejoice, that you would, that you would direct your praise to God, that you would give him thanks, that you would just pray an earnest prayer, Lord, in my spirit, help me have joy. Help me live in light of your joy, knowing that joy is something much deeper than how we feel. Joy is... is, is is so much greater than a, a mask or a front that we wear for others to see. Joy is not just the reaction to our, our, our situation. Joy is the gift given to us. It's a reward for the righteousness of God that is ours in Jesus Christ. In a moment, we're going to have uh, an invitation, an opportunity to respond. And even as we sing the song of invitation today, even as we, as we proclaim to the Lord that we want to delight in him, we want to rejoice in him, I want to encourage you that if God is stirring in your heart, if he's working in your life today and you're thinking, yeah, th this is me, I've not had the joy that I ought to have because my joy has been dictated by my feelings or what I'm going through. Today, would you, would you, in, in recognition of that, would you use this as your moment to just cry out to God? Our altar will be open that you could come here and pray. Our staff would be here at the front. We would, we would love to pray with you. Maybe even today you're here and you say, I don't have this joy that you're talking about because the truth is I don't have the faith in Jesus that you're talking about. I don't know the joy that you're talking about. You're talking about a joy that doesn't make sense to me because I don't have that faith in Jesus. Well, today, if you're ready to surrender your life to him by faith, then I would encourage you. You would come. Let our, our staff pray with you a, a prayer of faith that you would surrender your life to him and that you would experience the work of his Holy Spirit, the function of faith that gives you joy in the midst of any circumstance that is a reward of righteousness, but not your righteousness, the righteousness of God that is made available to you through faith in Jesus Christ. Today, we can have joy because we have Jesus and Jesus brings joy. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so grateful that we have joy because our joy is not wrapped up in our feelings, it's not wrapped up in our situation. Lord, our joy is rooted in our faith in you. Our joy comes from knowing you, from walking by faith in you. Even today, as we pursue that joy, as we live in light of all that you've done and all that you 
have won for us Jesus with your work on the cross and your resurrection. May our joy be a worshipful response to you. Some I know are here, no doubt, their hearts are, are heavy. They're burdened. And they maybe even feel brokenness to speak of. Jesus, today, would you be their joy in spite of their brokenness? Would you bring that joy to their heart that they might have that abiding peace, that abiding assurance that no matter what we face in this life, we have confidence ultimately in you and the righteousness that is ours because of your work on the cross. Lead us to know your joy. Help us to rejoice in you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Let's stand together. And even as we sing this song of response again, our altars are open, our staff are at the front. If God is leading you today, 